0: Hi there, and welcome to Vineyard Church, Delaware County's podcast. My name is Michael Hansen. I'm the lead pastor here at the church, and I am so glad that you have joined us for this week's message. I'm going to have a little bit more to say at the end, but for now, enjoy the teaching. Well, hey, everybody. Hey, by now, I'm sure you've heard uh, COVID has hit the Hudson household. One of my my kids tested positive late last night. Uh, Then um, Sarah's not feeling very good this morning, so it seems to be like it's, Trickling through the family, like I know many of you have been dealing with and struggling with, or family and friends have been dealing with. It seems to be our turn to to wrestle with it. But I'm really still excited that I get this opportunity to share with you today and continue in the series that we started last weekend. Michael kicked off a new series called Belonging What It Means to Be a Part of VCDC, What It Means to Be a Member of This Church. And, and so over the next number of weeks, that's what we're going to be talking about. What, what, and we're going to look at it from a few different perspectives. First, from kind of a broad perspective, what does it mean to be a part of the church? And then we'll kind of get more focused on specifics and looking at specific aspects later on in this series about what it means to be a part of VCDC uniquely. But, but I would encourage you, if you missed last weekend, whether you didn't get a chance to, to be here in person or online, I would encourage you to check it out online on our website vcdc.org, or listen to the podcast, because Michael did an amazing job of really setting up the series and casting vision for what we think God is leading us into as a church in, the, in this near future. Uh, and so I would really encourage you to check that out. Um, one of the things that Michael talked about was this idea of the church using the imagery of being like a body, that we are not just anybody, but his body. We are the body of Christ. And we use this text as kind of our anchor scripture that we're going to be using and referring to throughout the whole series. And it's found in Romans twelve, four through five. It says this for just as each one of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body. And each member belongs to all the others. Belongs. Hence the inspiration for the name of this series. We also had a great quote by uh, an author, Christian author named Sam Alberry, And he says this, church is not something we go to, but something we belong to. The church is not just a place. It's not just a building. It's not just an event. It's not just something we're observers of or spectators of, or even attenders of. It's something we're a part of. It's something we're a part of. And, and, and we're not only a part of it, it's a part of you. You're part of the body but as a body, as a body with, with all of its parts, all of its members, we are meant to belong to one another, each other. We are meant to exist in unity with each other. But what happens when that's not the case with our bodies? What happens when our bodies get confused or distracted or when the body gets sick, right? Or injured? What happens when there isn't complete unity in the body, this week, I remembered a story that I hadn't thought of in a lot of years, but when I was a teenager, there was just one, one kind of random day, uh, I was sitting in front of the TV with my legs crisscrossed, and I was playing video games, like lots of teenagers, right? And I was probably playing Madden football or something like that at the time. But, uh, but I remember I was playing, and in, in like, like my own kids, uh, when they're playing video games, they're so hyper-focused and it's like they can't hear or pay attention to anything else. It's kind of like, you know, are you there? Are you there, right? And so I was in that kind of state, like, oh, playing a video game. And I don't know how long it had been happening, but I finally clued in that the phone was ringing, that the phone had probably been ringing for some time. And so once I realized it, I jumped up, I went out the door, went right to the steps. I got on the top of the first step to go down the steps. And I realized in that split second, I could not feel my feet at all. They were completely numb. They were completely asleep, and and it's because my legs had been I've been sitting crisscross for I don't know how long, and and you probably guessed what happened next. But I, you know, one foot was one to go one way, the other foot was flopping around, and I went tumbling, 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 down the stairs. You know, and I got to the the bottom of the stairs, all like twisted up, and and eventually uh, my feet, uh, you know, got their ability to communicate with their, my brain back again with the head. And I was able to get up and walk. It's a miracle that more of my body wasn't majorly hurt. And it was just a few bruises. But what, what, what happens when those kinds of things happen in the church body, right? In the church body, when maybe something happens and you know, one foot wants to go one way and the other foot wants to go the other way. And we're not quite cluing in. And within unity with what the head, Jesus, the head, is wanting us to do, what happens then? Because it can really do a lot of damage. It can really create a lot of disunity. It can really like hurt us and make us feel like we're tumbling down the stairs and, and getting bruised up, right? And that's really what I want to talk about today. That's really what I want to dive into. Because Michael talked about this a little bit last week. But one of the main things that over the last year or two, that we've seen happen is that the enemy has been really trying to go after the church in this area of division, of trying to divide us, of trying to cause disunity where we aren't on the same page with each other. And you, know, you, you could take things like COVID, you could take politics, you could, you could throw all the different things in, lots of other things that has caused some, some tension and some confusion within the church. And that's what I want to dive in today. I want to talk about that Jesus as the head of his body, Jesus, as the head of this body, wants his body to stay and grow and mature in unity together. It's actually one of the most important things that Jesus calls his church to do. You know, as a dad of three kids, three kids, you know, adolescents or one soon to be an adolescent, uh, I have high expectations for my kids. I do. I have high expectations for them. But to be honest, at the end of most days, I'll chalk it up as a win if they don't, aren't at each other's throats. <laughs> You know, if they aren't fighting throughout the day, if there is, they're getting along and there's unity in the family. And you might think, well, that's kind of a low bar, Andrew. That's, that's, that's like, are you just trying to avoid conflict? Are you just trying to avoid parenting? And that's not the reason at all. Actually, the reason is that I believe my, my children, as brothers and sisters, are called to unity towards each other. They're called to get along. They're told, called to be one with each other. Just like us in the church are called to be one with each other as well. You know, and that's been God's plan all along. That's been his plan all along, that, that we would be in right relationship with each other, that we would be unified, not just with him vertically, but also horizontally with each other, right? But we've messed it up pretty much from the very beginning. You know, you go back to the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve, the very first congregation, pretty small church, just two people, uh, you know, they they messed it up pretty quick on, pretty quick in the story, don't they? You know, they sin, and what happens? Adam blames Eve and said, she made me do it, right? She talked me into it. Eve blames the serpent and said, she, he tricked me. He made me do it, right? There's, there's disunity right off the bat. And as their family line continued, that disunity continued, right? We see that just in the first few chapters of Genesis, all the, all the disunity, all the, all the disruption, all the hurt that happens, within the early family of God. And God's kids continued to do that really until Jesus shows up. See, Jesus came to change that. Jesus came to restore unity to His family, to His church. And He wants us, very clearly He wants us, and He tells us that He wants us to stay united, to stay one, even when it's difficult, even when we go through hard times. You know, just before Jesus died, on the night before he died, many of you know the story, but he took his 12 disciples, his kind of like his first church. And, and he sat down, he had a meal with them. He washed their feet. He started to tell them and prepare them what was about to happen. And he's telling them about some really difficult things about how he's about to go and die and about how one of these 12 that he's sitting with is about to betray him. And they're all like, what? No way, that's not gonna happen. But within a matter of a few minutes, Judas stands, stands up and walks out the door. He walks out the door to go and do that very thing. And the other 11, they're clueless. They think he's going to go uh, buy something at the store. They think he's going to go make a donation to the poor because that was kind of his job in the group. But Jesus knows exactly what Judas has just gone to do. And do you know what he says to them? He's looking at the remaining 11, and this is what he says to him In John 13, he says this, A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Now, we often take this verse and we expand it. We expand it to mean, hey, we're supposed to love everybody. And that's true, we are. But we forget that in this context, Jesus has just watched Judas cause some, a trickling effect of events is about ready to happen that Judas is gonna start off uh, and it's gonna cause disunity, It's gonna cause lots of disunity. It's gonna be really difficult to handle. They're gonna be so confused. And Jesus looks at the the remaining 11. He says, you guys, you guys, I'm gonna need you to love one another. I'm gonna need you to love one another. That's how everybody's gonna know that you're my disciples. And he goes on to talk about a few other things. And the very last thing before he goes off and basically is arrested, the very last thing he says to them is actually a prayer. It's a prayer. He prays for these remaining 11 disciples. He prays for them and then he turns and he actually prays for us. He prays for the future church. He prays for those who will believe in Jesus because of their message. Look what he says in John 17. He says this, my prayer is not for them alone, talking about the disciples. He says, I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you loved me. Look at that. How is the world gonna know that Jesus is the real deal? How is the world going to know that Jesus really was sent from the Father? He says, they're going to know by your unity, by your complete unity, by being one, by loving one another. He's thinking ahead and he knows, again, they're going, to, they're going to be confused. They're going to go through the hardest thing in their lives in a matter of hours. They're going to be scared. There's going to be so much difficulty in the days and weeks to come. And he says, no matter what happens, stay one, stay unified. You know, can we, if as we look back over the last couple of years, can we say there have been difficult things? Can we say there have been things that, that have seemed confusing? Can we say there have been things that have caused us to be maybe scared or hurt? Yeah, absolutely. And Jesus wants us to remember the same truth, that we are called to stay united. We are called to be a unifying church, to be a one body. That's what we're called to, even in hard, hard times. And and by church, I mean, I'm talking about the overall church, the bigger church, the greater church, the body of Christ. But one of the reasons why I think we've seen some disunity is that we've gotten our, our beliefs, our values a little bit out of whack. We've prioritized them a little bit different than maybe we should. And here's what I mean by that. As Christians, we have a lot in common. We have a lot in common. We can think of our beliefs kind of in two different ways. We can think of core beliefs kind of at the center of our faith, kind of the non-negotiables, the essentials, right? right? And then we also have beliefs that maybe might be more on the, the peripheral, right? Where maybe there's, there's a little bit of room to disagree with. There's a little bit of room to say, well, I, I can see your point and you can see my point and this is kind of how we're going to do it. It's one of the ways where I, I love that we pray for different churches in the area, right? Because we really do believe that at our core, we are, we are one with them. Right? And we might have little different ways that we practice our faith and different things, but those are more on the peripheral. But at the core, at the core we, we are united uh, with the other churches around our community and in the world. But one of the things that I think has happened through the difficult things that we've done and been, th- not done, sorry, through the difficult things that we've been through through the last couple of years, everything that's been going on, is that we've been shaken. We've been shaken and what's happened is some of our beliefs that probably should remain on the periphery, on the edges, have shaken and found themselves to be at the core. When, when tensions get high, right? When things get high, we tend to, things kind of shake and they've, they've come to the center that where, where I'm not sure that they belong. You know, there are, again, there are core beliefs that we all have as Christians, core beliefs that we all will never lose. Like this idea of like a Trinitarian God God, you know, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. You know, that's a, that's a thing that we can all agree on as a core belief of our faith, right? That it's through Jesus and our salvation that we find the abundant and eternal life in Him. It's through receiving the gift of salvation, accepting His sacrifice on the cross for us, that we have that in common. But some of these other things, we might have different viewpoints on. Some of these other things, we might have some room to disagree upon but if we are so reactive or so impulsive to this shaking when they tend to kind of move to the middle that can cause great disunity because now now some of the beliefs that maybe were on the edges that might be different you know now they've moved to the center and now my core doesn't look exactly like your core anymore and that might cause some division between us and what needs to happen is some of those things need to move back out to the edges Right? Let, me, let me give you an example. Let me give you an example. You know, in, in Jesus' day and age, this is honestly one of the problems why the Pharisees had such a big issue with Jesus because they had taken peripheral things and brought them to the core where they really probably shouldn't have been there. You know, one of the hot button issues, and we look at it and don't see it as that at all, but one of the hot button issues of their day and age was this idea of what does it mean to keep the Sabbath? What does it mean to rest on the Sabbath and not work on the Sabbath, the seventh day, The day of rest, right? There was uh, everybody. That was one of the Ten Commandments. That was one of the core beliefs of the Jewish people. Everybody, that was at the. That was a big thing for them. But but how that actually looked, what that actually meant. Well, that was that that could. There were some differences of opinion about that. But the Pharisees had taken some of those extreme things about the law and had moved them to the center. In Matthew 12, there's a story where. Uh, they, the Pharisees get so upset at the disciples and at Jesus. They get so upset. The, the disciples are walking along, they're hungry. It uh, happens to be the Sabbath and they pick a few grains uh, off of the crops to eat because they're hungry, because they're starving. And the, the, the Pharisees look at that and say, and they're livid, they're furious. To them, that's work. To them, they're breaking the law, right? And a few hours later, later in that day, Jesus comes upon a man, a man with a, a crippled hand, a shriveled hand, and he has compassion on him. He says, stretch out your hand, and he heals him. He heals the man's hand. And, and, and at that, the Pharisees are livid again. They cannot believe he just did that. That's work in their mind. He just broke the Sabbath. See, what they, what they had done is they'd taken this, these, these extreme things and they had made them so core to their faith. Jesus is saying, hey, I, I believe in keeping rest on the Sabbath. But but this doesn't count. In fact, I'm Lord of the Sabbath, he says. He says, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. You guys are missing the point. You're missing, honestly, you're missing me. You're missing me at the core. And because they had let this peripheral little detail get so towards the center, it caused so much disunity between them and Jesus. So much so that it's at that point, Matthew tells us, that they start to plan how they're gonna kill him. It's at at that, at that issue that they're planning to kill him. That's how we know they were out; that things had gotten out of whack uh, for them. Let me give you an example from my own life. I don't know if you remember this. I remember back late '90s, early 2000s. One of the hot button topics uh, in the church, really kind of in the in the in the news and just around, even in public schools, was this was this idea and debate over creationism. Right. And, and within the church, there was the idea of, was debating, well, are you a, a, do you believe in young earth creationism or old earth creationism? Right. There was tension. There was tension. It was in the news. There was public school board meetings. Like, should we be teaching creationism in science? Should it be part of our textbooks along with this theory of evolution? Like it was a hot button topic. And, I, and this will date me a little bit or lack thereof, depending on how old you are and show how young I might be. But uh, but I was a teenager and a college student during those years. And I remember I started to really develop this really strong belief about, about uh, young earth creationism. I believed that in the six literal 24-hour days uh, that it talks about in Genesis, and I, I got so passionate about it that I, I honestly believe that if you didn't agree with me on that, then they, I don't know if you were a Christian. And, and I got in debates with kids on it and, other, and my friends on it. And some who didn't disagree who with me, like I basically pushed them away. I pushed them out. I remember getting so fired up in speech class doing an debate on this. I remember tearing up. Surprise, surprise, I cried. Um, but I remember tearing up and just being so passionate about this idea, this issue. And it led me to really study it and really dive deep and read a lot about it and research a lot about it. And you know what I found? I found that there are lots and lots of Christians, lots and lots of scientists who are Christians that believe in a young earth, a, you know, a six days of creationism. But I also found there are lots and lots of Christians, lots and lots of scientists who are also Christians who believe in an older earth, that, that really smart people aren't in consensus on this idea, that it kind of depends on how we interpret the story of Genesis. You know, I, I learned that the word for day in Genesis 1 is the Hebrew word yom, Y-O-M. And, and it can mean a literal 24-hour day. It can mean a literally 24-hour day, but it can also mean an age or a time period. And so I began to wrestle with this. I began to wrestle with, well, what do I believe? What do I, and now, to be honest, 20 years later, I'm still very interested in this topic. And my opinion is that I, I probably actually tend to lean a little bit the other way towards old earth creationism but 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 to be honest i don't know i don't know and it's not something i want to push on people anymore you know could god have made everything in 6 24-hour periods absolutely i think that he totally could he could do anything he wants he can raise himself from the dead right i mean he could he could do that could he have also chosen to do it over 6 ages or 6 longer time periods and maybe the bible you know and science don't so much disagree with each other maybe there's some overlap you know i don't know maybe maybe that's a possibility but 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 here's here's the point i'm trying to make is it worth losing friendships over Is it worth pushing people away over? Is it worth churches dividing over? There were churches back in those days that were like, well, I'm not going to your church if you're a young earth creationist church. I'm not going to your church if you're an old earth creationist church. Like people were, this was such a hot button topic. We had taken this thing that was really peripheral and made it to the center because I think we could all still agree as one of our core beliefs that God is our creator, that God made us on purpose for a purpose right? And that doesn't change whether the earth is young or whether the earth is old. That doesn't change how he feels about you and me or how I feel about him or what he's called us into. And so we, sh- we can agree to disagree on those things. And you know, 20 years later, we don't really see that as a reason people are leaving churches or being disunified within the church anymore. And so it, it makes me think of this. Let's bring it current. Let's bring it today. Let's acknowledge that there are hot-button topics today that we have been going through over the last number, you know, last year or two, myself included, that we might have really strong opinions about, myself included. But 20 years from now, 20 years from now, are we going to look back and say, you know what, that you fill in the blank, that that maybe that wasn't something I should have pushed friends away with or family away with or hurt people in my small group or, you know, or, or hurt the body of Christ with. Maybe I should have focused on what was more core. Maybe I should have stuck to what was more unifying, right? You know, take the example, Michael used it last week. He's of uh, the hot button top of kind of the end of, uh, the, uh, the end of the end of time, right? The end of, of times, right? And, and are we currently in the end of end of times? Or are we not currently in the end of end of times, right? Of course, uh, you probably have a you might have a strong opinion about that. I do too. But but let's just be honest. Does it really matter? Does it really matter? And let me explain what I mean by that. If tomorrow Jesus comes back, if tomorrow, how does that going to affect your day today? What should you do today? Well, you should tell people about Jesus you should share your story, you should love others, and you should make disciples, right? But what if it doesn't happen for a thousand years from now, right? Well, how does that affect your life today? What should you do today? Well, you should uh, tell people about Jesus, tell your story, right? Love others, make disciples. It really doesn't change how we should respond differently. So can we be a church, be one body, be unified and and have different opinions about that? I hope so. I believe we can. I believe we are doing that. I believe we are doing that. COVID, we're all sick of talking about COVID. We're all sick of hearing about COVID. We're all sick with COVID. Um, uh, But we're lots of different opinions Right? about how we should or shouldn't be handling this, how, the, how much the government should be involved, how much the government shouldn't be involved, how, much the, how the church should handle this, how the church shouldn't handle that. Right, we, Families are in disagreement over this. Churches across the country are in disagreement over this. But can we recognize that 20 years from now, 20 years from now, we'll look, we'll look back on today. We'll look back on this season of life. And what story do we want to tell? What story do we want to tell? Do we want to say that we let our differing beliefs about these things push people, family, friends, brothers and sisters in Christ away? I hope not. I hope that's not the story we want to tell. I hope these things won't divide us. I hope that at our core, that our core as the body of Christ, that we will stay united in the core values of our faith. And that that will hold us together because that's what we're called to. That's what Jesus tells us to do in hard and difficult times. He says, stay one, stay united, stay united. St. Augustine put it this way, in the essentials, unity, in all else, charity. I love that. What, what, what are the essentials? Let's stay unified in those. Yes, amen. Let's stay unified in those. But what are what are you know the everything else that maybe some of those other things have moved to the center because they're hot button topics but maybe we need to recognize like ah oh, someday those won't be at the center how shall we stay united that now to respond to then and if it sounds like if it sounds like i'm coming down hard on you guys that's not my intention at all i'm actually super super proud i'm super proud of how BCDC has, has walked through these difficult couple months, couple years here. I'm super, super proud because what I see overall, for the most part, is I see friendships who have very differing opinions on some of these topics. And yet they've stayed good, solid friends because at their core, they're united in Christ. I've seen small groups, small groups that I know have very strong differing opinions about all these different things and yet they've still continued to gather because at their core, they have stayed united in Christ. You know, you might be sitting next to somebody if you're here today or this weekend in person, you might be sitting next to somebody who has a very different opinion about some of these things, but yet we can still worship together. Why? Because we are united in Christ at our core. That's who we are. That's who we are. If the worship team wants to start to make their way back up here, I'm gonna just assume that you guys are coming up because obviously I'm by myself in this big room right now, but, uh, but I just wanna end with this. I wanna end with this. You know, we have this saying in the vineyard, this saying in the vineyard, and you've actually probably been reading it for the last 25 minutes uh, on my T-shirt, right? I don't know, unless it's too zoomed out too far, but my T-shirt says, everyone gets to play. If you've been around for a while, you know that phrase really well. Everyone gets to play. And, and most of the time when we talk about this phrase, we talk about the play part. You know, the, this idea that we have different roles and functions and jobs that each part of the body should do and, and is good at doing and callings. And we need everybody to serve and be involved and do the things that God wants them to do. We focus on the play part. And Michael's actually going to hit on that a lot next weekend. But before we can jump to the play part, we have to talk about the everyone part. We too often skip the everyone part. You know, and so here's what I would encourage you to do. Here's what I would encourage us to do. You know, there might be a few people missing in your life over the last few months or the last year or two. There might be people missing at your family gatherings or at your small groups, right? Or maybe the person who used to sit beside you in the service. Maybe, maybe you know there's been some hurt. Maybe there's been some things that you've done or said, some things that have caused some damage, some disunity between you on some of these hot button topics that we've been talking about. And I would just say to you, I would encourage you as disciples of Jesus that there's this invitation that we have. There's this invitation that we have to be humble to be humble, to let our pride go. And if we need to, to repent. If we need to, to go to that family member, that friend, that person and say, I'm, I'm sorry. I took this peripheral thing and I made it core. I made it to center. And what I should have kept at the center was Jesus because that would keep us united. Will you forgive me? And we need to, we need to grant forgiveness and extend forgiveness to those who have hurt us as well. It's in that process that God heals us, that God reunites us together and that everyone then is in a space where they can play, where everyone together unified can belong. Well, thanks so much for joining us today. I hope that what you heard has encouraged you in your walk with Jesus. For more information and to contact us, go to vcdc.org. We'll bless you. Have a wonderful week.